Thank you, Dallas. Is this one on too? All right. Maybe this one. I'm just kidding. We don't need three mics. We don't need three mics, I hope, if I can speak loud enough. Um, when, when you go to, to write a sermon, or at least when I go to write one, um, there's thinking and there's praying and there's research and, and all that, and then God changes the sauce on the way out the door a little bit. Um, so before I get started with my presentation, there were three things that I'm going to add to the beginning of this. First, Larry Gregory gives me a laugh every time I see him, and I'm so thankful, and he gave me a really good one today, so I'm going to share it with you, and you can laugh or groan or whatever, but did you know that there's a place called conjunctivitis.com? It's a site for sore eyes. Thank you, Larry. Okay. Was that God groaning? I don't know. Um, the second thing, second thing is, if you are new to TCF, or if you don't go here regularly, or if you are struggling with questions about God or what you believe, then this is for you. Uh, I was given the idea for this sermon weeks ago. I wrote it days ago, and I did not consult with either Steve or Jim Garrett when I did. But in my sermon today is the verse that Steve used for communion and the song that Jim used um, after communion. So if, if you don't believe that there's a Holy Spirit working in all of the believers, this is a witness that he is real and he works. The third thing... It's been said that in polite company, you should never discuss certain things. You should never discuss religion. Too late, we're in church. You should never discuss politics. Too late. Fourth of July just happened, and I'm going to be talking about that. And you should never discuss what's in your wallet. Well, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> as long as you've broken the other two, you might as well break the last one. So, in your wallet... Probably most of you have something plastic, right? About like this. Uh, there was a series of commercials done by Capital One uh, several years ago. And the last line in each commercial was, What's in your wallet? My favorite one was the one with all the Vikings, where they had Scottish accents, and they said, What's in your wallet? They didn't continue those, unfortunately. But my question, rephrasing this a little bit, is, what is your membership? To which body are you a member? Because body doesn't just mean our physical existence. It doesn't just mean hands and feet and heads and hair and all that. It also means a group of people brought together for a particular purpose. We have religious bodies. We have civic bodies. We have athletic bodies. We have all kinds of different bodies, and when you're a member, there's two things that go along with that. There's privileges to membership. There's also responsibilities that come with membership. One of those responsibilities is allegiance to the group. And the word allegiance means loyalty or commitment to a superior or to a cause. If you know what I'm about to recite, you're welcome to join along. It's, um, it has a lot to do with allegiance. 
goes like this, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We have our children say this in schools, at least in some of them. Um, and it's a reminder that there's this idea of allegiance when you belong to something. Belonging means some things. It means the privileges and the responsibilities. We are citizens of the United States of America. We belong to a particular state, a particular county, and a particular city, town, village, hamlet, wide spot in the road, somewhere. We all have somewhere that we belong to. And as citizens and residents, we engage in actions that show our allegiance. We share a connection to our past. And we share sacrifices that make possible our present life. And we share that life and a hope for the future. Okay, watch this. Click. Yeah. <laughs> Click one more time. Hear the words to which our founding fathers bound themselves and sacrificed that we might enjoy freedom today. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Hear also the words of songs written by our pioneering ancestors acknowledging their common Lord. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. Our Father's God, to Thee, author of liberty, to Thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by Thy might, great God our King. And then my favorite verse of our national anthem. O thus be it ere, when free men shall stand, between their loved homes and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, May the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just. And this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Makes the flag mean a little bit more, I think. If you see Dallas Henry today, you might take a look at his flag. It's got some of that on it. We are the children of those who left homelands for new lands, who fought oppression to provide freedom, who gave up security to create opportunity. 
We share a connection to our common past and our ancestors' common Lord. And we remember and honor our forefathers for their courage to depart from the familiar and to sacrifice for their children's future. Next slide, please. Our Army, Navy, Coast Guard, Marines, and Air Force, along with intelligence agencies and law enforcement, risk their lives continually to protect our country and defend the peace and freedom we enjoy daily. We remember their sacrifices. We remember those who gave the last full measure of devotion. We honor these who fight and die and their families who suffer loss, fear, devastation, and uncertainty. We also honor those who sacrifice to serve in government and the media, who spend their time and money to run for office, engage in debate online, radio, TV, and in person, to defend the truth, to help us remember how our country was designed to work, why it works, and who we should serve. In Galatians 5.1 and 5.13, we are admonished not only to stand fast in our liberty, but not to abuse it, not to use it as an excuse. Now, it is because of these foundations and sacrifices that we have hope for our future, that we believe we can change our country to be even better, more sound and efficient, more honest and pure, more just and merciful than we know it to be now. Can we have the next slide, please? How? Well, the Israelites were admonished to pray for the peace of Jerusalem in Psalm 122, verse 6. And again, to pray for the peace of the country to which they were taken as captives in Jeremiah 29, 7. It was not just for the benefit of the leaders of that country that they were admonished to pray. It was for their benefit. We will benefit as we pray for our country, and God will act. He has plans for us and for our country, for our good as well as the good of many others. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, God says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So let us remember our country's past, be thankful for our country's present, take responsibility for our country's future. Next. However, our highest allegiance not to our country. Great as it is, good as it is, it is of this world and will pass away. Every country will. If you know the uh, words to what I'm about to recite, feel free to join in. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty to all who believe. We Christians are a part of another body that spans all countries, languages, and cultures, that affirms the truth about right and wrong, and that refuses to accept the broad and easy way. 
though many go in by it. We are part of the body of Christ. That phrase, though, has at least three meanings. There's the actual physical body of Jesus when he was here on earth. There is the church, which is Christ's body on earth now. And there is the description by Jesus of his body and blood that we call communion. In the same way that we share the past, the present, and the future of our country with each other, we also share a connection to Christ's body when he was here on earth. We share a common life as his body on earth presently. And we share the hope of his coming again when we remember and proclaim his death in communion. Much has been rightly said and shown of all that Jesus' body suffered in his crucifixion. Truly, he suffered as no other man could or did, as he took all of our sins on himself. That in itself is enough to create admiration and devotion. But his scarred, resurrected body is the single most powerful witness to his true nature. Critics and skeptics have little or no objection to the death of his old body, but they cringe at his resurrection, at his new body. His old body was very intentionally normal. He probably had pimples. He grew a beard, most likely. Had to deal with toenails, sweat, washing his clothes, all those things that that we get tired of as humans. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that he was tempted in every way as we are. And not just spiritually tempted, not just mentally tempted, but emotionally tempted, physically tempted. We get tempted by our bodies, not the least. Ooh, chocolate. By the way, do you know why there's not a Chocoholics Anonymous Club? Because nobody wants to quit. But Jesus' new body was even more intentionally unlike anything the universe had ever seen before. His body is unstoppable, invincible, gloriously incomprehensible, and yet still recognizable. No one who sees his new body has any confusion about his identity, which is why his enemies are so afraid of him. If he rose again, then he is exactly who he said he was. We are exactly in the position he says we are in, sin-ridden and helpless, with only his sacrifice and mercy to save us. And then we must believe him when he says we have a clear duty to take up a cross daily and follow him in his suffering, in Luke 9.23. Everything about his resurrected body flies in the face of our flesh, the values of our world, and the strategies of our enemy. His new body is the most dangerous thing to anyone who does not belong to him. So we have a connection to his old body because we have one just like it. We have a connection to his new body because we're going to get new bodies too. Can I get an amen? Thank you. (laughs) You guys are a lot of fun. 
we get to have a new body like him, I can hardly wait. But more than that, his new body connects us to the truth that he spoke and the truth that he is, and nothing can refute him. He's got the scars in his living flesh to prove it. Next slide, please. In our present, <clears throat> we are his body here on earth. Many New Testament books make reference to this. In Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, Christ is described as the head and we are described as his body. Ephesians goes on to describe Christ as the cornerstone of a temple. The temple is us for God's spirit to dwell in. Chapter 2, verses 20 and following. And then Ephesians continues saying that, the eff- that effective work happens when each part of his body does its share. That's in chapter 4, verse 16. And then again in chapter 5, verse 30, it says, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, which refers to Adam's declaration about Eve in Genesis 2. It's about as physical as you can get, isn't it? All of these point to the union of God, the Holy Spirit, and God's children led by that same spirit, headed by God the Son to fulfill the plans of God the Father. This is the life we share. And so we must also share in Christ's sacrifice and suffering, if we are to share in his power. Philippians 3.10 and Romans 6.5 both include the suffering and the power together as a description of our lives. And so it must be, for that is the road Christ took. He calls us to follow, and so we go together on that road, day by day, sharing life in Christ and ministering to a lost world and to each other. And we do it uniquely. C.S. Lewis said it this way, how monotonously alike all the great tyrants and conquerors have been. How gloriously different are the saints. I was talking with Dawn Farrell about VBS, and she confessed to me that that she has kind of a stubborn, independent nature. (laughs) Dawn, you're not alone. I don't know how many of you have realized that about yourselves, but we all have a little bit of that at least. Some of us more than others. But God takes... The stubborn, the difficult, the hard to live with, the self-centered, he takes all of that. And as we witnessed in VBS, he makes something beautiful out of it. And it's not because we're beautiful. It's not because we're smart or we figure this out or we're just so good at it. Because Amy will tell you, there were several major crises that either almost happened and didn't or got turned around at the last second, things that were completely out of our control, and God made them work, made them beautiful. And it happens that way every year. Those of you who have been a part of VBS for a while, you've got stories, right? We've all got stories. God's the reason we have those stories. He takes all these little broken bits, kind of like... um, I don't know if you know this, Laura Grinnell is, is something of an artistic temperament. She likes to make it look nice. Like, really nice. 
she's working on um, tiling a bathroom in a new building that they have on their property. And golly, it's amazing. She, she takes these, these p just pieces, shards, little broken bits that are nothing by themselves, things you would throw away, you know, just kick to the side or not even notice. And she arranges them on this wall in, in um, grout. And it's just gorgeous. You look at it and go, wow. That's what God does with us. And it's not because we're great little pieces of tile. It's because he's a great God. And because he loves us so much. I'll have to take a picture of that when I get over there the next time. Hmm. So we are all sinners, very different from each other. But through God's Holy Spirit, he makes something good, even though he has only us to work with. And as his body, doing his work in spite of our weaknesses, we are also a great witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. If he was not who he said he was, how can the church be explained? How can all of the relief efforts, the charities, the hospitals, the schools, the counseling, the healings, the marriages, the families, the secret house churches, the sincerity, the miracles, the joy, peace, and freedom, and the incredible consistency through centuries of persecution, distraction, and refuting. How can they be explained? Do you begin to see why our enemy hates us so much? Why church leaders are targeted, marriages and families assaulted in the media and entertainment, and science, religion, and philosophy so vigorously seek alternatives to Christ. Do you see what they'd have to admit? So Christ's body on earth connects us to our common past and to each other. Being a part of his body on earth is a reminder of our future in the new heavens and the new earth where we will see both Jesus and each other as we truly are. What a blessing that will be. Next, please. But wait, there's more. Put that checkbook away. Call right now and get the matching set of steak knives absolutely free. For only 89 easy payments of $19.95. Plus shipping and handling. Please allow four to six years for delivery. You guys ever watched the all 1995 channel? They've got some incredibly useless things on that channel. Anyway. Now we've gone through two descriptions of the body of Christ. Here's the third one. Jesus himself gave this description in the Last Supper when he was having Passover with his disciples. And the Jews thought that Passover was the main thing. But it wasn't. Passover was the hint. Passover was the, here, get used to this so that when I tell you the real thing, you'll be able to relate it to something. 
Passover was about Jesus, even though they didn't know it yet. So when Jesus has the Passover with his disciples, this is how he describes himself. It was Jesus' own description of the bread and wine, which we call communion, or Eucharist, for my liturgical brethren out there. Peace of the Lord be always with you. There we go. All right. In this tradition, in this ritual, we remember Jesus' suffering. We celebrate our membership in his body. And we proclaim a message. Hear the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, which you've already heard once today. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. You can only eat if you have a body. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until when? Until he comes again. So we have a common past with Christ's body, which reminds us of our future body. We have our common present as his body on earth, which also reminds us of our future together in the new heavens and new earth, at descriptions in Revelation chapter 21. We also have the common body and blood of Christ in communion, which points to our future celebration with Christ. Did you know that he will celebrate a new communion with us when he returns? Matthew 26 describes the Last Supper, and Jesus uses the word until in a pointed way. Verse 29 says, But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Until that day. Communion, then, is our chance not only to proclaim his death until he comes, but to remember that after he comes, we will drink it new with him in his Father's kingdom. We have much to look forward to. Next, please. Past, present, and future we have in common with our countrymen. We have even more in common in our past, present, and future with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Membership does have privileges and responsibilities. Next slide, please. We share the sufferings and death of his body. We are his body and share his power as we pray for our country and minister to a lost world. And we look forward to a new body like he has already when he comes to complete the until and drink the wine new with us in his Father's kingdom. Next slide, please. To which body do you belong? Membership means everything. Please join me in prayer.
Lord, I pray for all those who are in need of clarity, all those with confusion, all those who lack understanding or experience, all those who need discernment, all those whom the enemy is trying desperately to keep from seeing the truth. Lord, I pray that you would reveal your truth and your will to each of us. That in each moment of the day, that in every situation, and as a part of every body of which we are a member, that we would fulfill your plans, that we would glorify your name, that we would delight in your will and walk in your ways. That we would remember that we are empty vessels. That we would remember that we are shards, broken pieces. But that as such we are so important to you and useful to you. That it does not matter what we don't have or what we can't do. It matters only who we serve and to whom we belong. So I pray, Lord, that you would renew our faith, renew our hope for our future. That as we remember all that you have done, that we will see what you are doing. That we will eagerly anticipate the completion of the good work you've begun. I pray for energy and enthusiasm. Then all of the different places that you put, each of the different pieces that's here, that we would shine that you would shine through us in our different skills and talents, in our different strengths and ideas, that we would minister to one another, that we would minister to the lost world around us that so desperately needs the light, that you shine in us. We pray for courage. We pray for boldness. We pray that we would not forget what we need to remember that we would remember all that we share and how we're connected and that we would remember that your scarred, resurrected body is alive and well and that you would, that that life, that that power would be at work in us. We give you thanks and praise, our Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name.